So true, huh? Let's begin with a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, Father, we acknowledge you this morning as the Lord of our lives. Father, we need you so much. Father, as we look at mothers today on Mother's Day, we celebrate them, we honor them for who they are and their impact in our lives, in the lives of our culture and our society. Oh, Father, thank you. Thank you so much. We ask, Father, today that as, as we hear your word, Lord, that you would speak through me. And, Father, that it would be clear to each of us, Father, how wonderful, how important that you see a mom. Father, we ask, God, that you would just go before and use your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Friday, as I went up to the counter at Dominic's to begin removing my groceries, I was greeted by a warm uh, lady that said, Are you ready? And I thought, ready for what? She says, Are you ready for Mother's Day? I said, Well, I've still got to buy some gifts. And it was a good reminder. As we were talking, she began just to talk about mothers and Eventually I found out that her mom had died eight years ago. She asked me about mine. I said, mine died 18 months ago. And I could tell that as I was talking with her that there was a deep love that she had for her mom and respect. I saw tears welling up in her eyes. And I said, we have some wonderful memories of our moms, don't we? And then she just started crying. And tears just rolled down her cheeks. And she talked about her mom. Then she was embarrassed and started fanning herself. Mothers. Mothers evoke memories of joy and excitement, usually. Mothers, they're teachers. They're disciplinarians. They're cleaning ladies sometimes. They're nurses. They're doctors. They're counselors. They're chauffeurs. They're coaches. Some of them are gardeners. But most mothers understand it's far more important to bake cookies than to clean the windows. Today as we talk about moms, and I'm sure that there are some today as we look at Mother's Day, um, they're hurting. They're hurting because they're thinking of their loss of their loved one or their mother. Others of you may be... Um, Many have longed to be a mother and weren't able to be. And then even more so, there are others who today as we sit in church on Mother's Day, it brings pain because there's that mother-child relationship that's not what it should be. But moms, again, play such an important part in our lives that, that we wanted today to to honor mothers and to recognize them. And so today, I would like for us to, to first to recognize the key relationships that a mother has, that being God first, husband second, and children third. And moving from that, looking at some responsibilities of a mother. And finally, 
how do we love our moms? How do we show them love? Moms, I encourage you first to maintain your relationship with God. There's nothing more important. In the book of Deuteronomy, if you'll turn there, chapter 6, we find a powerful passage addressed to the nation of Israel as they prepare to go into the promised land. And right now I just want to look at verse 4 because it focuses on God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. So how do we love God with all our heart and soul and might? I think we all know that when we talk about heart, we're not talking about this muscle that pumps blood. The word literally means um, inner man or mind or will. So when we love God with our heart, it's pointing to the will and a choice. Love is a choice. And the word soul there carries with it the whole idea of emotions. And so as we love, there will be emotions involved. And finally, loving God with all our strength. That word just means literally muchness or force, and it carries with it the idea of, of action. Action. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. He also said, he who has my commandments and keeps them loves me. See, love is proved by our actions. So maybe a way to say, love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. Um, you might need to say something like this maybe. We need to love God with all our beings. Love is an act that's accomplished by emotions that leads to action. We need to love God even in the midst of ups and downs, in the midst of times when we're disappointed, when we're hurt, when it looks bleak. Kay Arthur is a lady that I think most of us know she has ministered to millions. She's written over a hundred books and Bible studies. Her first marriage ended in divorce after six years. Her first husband struggled with manic depression. Eventually took his life. After he took his life, she came to a point where she trusted Christ as her Savior. And her words were, after a dramatic conversion experience, I went down on my knees as a harlot, and I came up a saint. She was referencing the fact that she spent so much time with different men involved in relationship with a man who was married for two years. But she goes on and talks about the fact that she married her husband, Jack, who was a missionary. And they went overseas. And things didn't work out. And she had to come home because of health issues. And Kay says that she was, her heart was broken. She longed to be a missionary. She longed to be involved in ministry. Extreme disappointment. Yet she was obedient to God in the midst of it. She didn't realize, that, however, that this disappointment was God's appointment. She came back home after seemingly not real fruitful ministry overseas. She taught a Bible study for youth 
And from that, Precepts International started. And today, her missionary heart is more than satisfied as she ministers in 150 countries, 70 different languages, in all 50 states, and has an audience on the radio of 94 million families. God wants to take the disappointments in our lives and turn them into his appointments. But if we're to trust him, we have to love him with all our hearts and with all our souls and with all our might and take those steps of, of faith, of action. Mother's most important relationship that affects all other relationships is with God. It's a foundation for all relationships. And it definitely affects the relationship with her husband, which is the second most important relationship. Men and women, husband and wives, love. I've been at Good News for almost 20 years. I've got a filing cabinet this large with files of counseling for marriage and premarital counseling. It's always fun when couples come in. They just got engaged. They're excited about getting married and we begin the process of six or eight counseling sessions and usually they come in and you see the stars, you know. They're gazing in each other's eyes. And oh, and, and they do. I love you. I love you. And, and they're holding hands and can't get too far apart from each other. And I often ask questions. What would he or she do it will cause you to no longer love her, to no longer love him. And usually, the answer is nothing. Nothing. I'll always love them. I'll always love her. Too often after marriages, we hear, I just don't love her anymore. I just don't love her. I fell in love with someone else. I don't ever want to see him again. I don't ever want to see him again. They forget that till death do part, do us part, and begin saying, I want my half. I want my half. Sometimes we tend to think that love is this random, uncontrollable thing that just happens. And so we say we can't choose who we're falling in love with. But we're really saying, I don't care what God says. I don't care what my family says. I don't care what my friends say. I'm going to do this. We often, within the world, there's media. We see that the media has a kind of negative view of, of a biblical marriage. Of a man and woman being together in the man being the head, loving his wife, and the wife coming along and, and submitting, and not in a, in a derogatory way, but interacting together. <clears throat> when Ruth Graham died in 2007, uh, a journalist with the Washington Post um, wrote these words, the world would never know what else Ruth Graham 
who as a wife and mother reared five children and wrote 14 books could have accomplished had she not been Billy Graham's wife and helped me. I don't know about you, but raising five kids, writing 14 books, not bad. Not bad. I wonder how many books this lady had written. With this unwavering faith that Ruth Graham had in God that caused her to support her husband. So after a successful crusade in L.A., Hollywood said, let's make a movie. Billy talked with Ruth and said, no. In 1954, NBC offered close to a million dollars in 1954 for him to go on TV. Billy talked with whom? With Ruth and others, and they said no. Others said, run for national office. That's what you should do. You should run for national office. He said no, in part, because of Ruth's advice. President Nixon offered him the ambassadorship to Israel. He would turn it down because he interacted with his wife, Ruth. Ms. Graham had a major impact and was a major part of Billy Graham's ministry. And looking back, now we can see the powerful influence that Billy Graham has had, the millions that have been reached, the gospel presented. But back then, back then, the opportunity to be on TV, a million bucks, you know, you could, you could kind of rationalize and say, you know, God, I can use this million dollars to support missionaries. Well, I could do this. But you see, working together, husband and wife, we see the result. We see a couple committed to each other and to God. Mother, mothers, you have no impact. You have no idea what the impact, rather, that your life can have on society. If you want your children to feel secure, love their father. Love your husband. When we look at two relationships, first God, secondly with husband, now let's look at a mom's relationship with her children. If we don't love the Lord and make him a priority in our lives, the chances are very high that our children won't. If we don't make God a priority in our lives, it's a good chance our kids will not. And only our love for God will spur us on to be godly parents. Otherwise, we reach out for the glitter. We reach out for this fleeting thing. Let's look at, at that passage again. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 to 9. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. <clears throat> These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God 
directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to possess so that you and your children and their children afterward they may, they may fear the Lord your God as long as they live and their children as long as they live by keeping all the decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may have long life hear O Israel the Lord your God the Lord is one you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk with them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be frontlets between your eyes and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates again this passage was written to the nation of Israel before they went into the promised land but I think it gives us five ways that we as parents and today we're looking at moms um, can teach their children God's word five ways first one is in verse 7 we should teach them diligently diligently moms I know you're busy often you're up at 5 o'clock and you go until 10 at night or 11 there are a lot of things going on there's nothing more important than our children there's nothing more important than teaching them God's word so one we teach our kids diligently and secondly we teach them accurately I think if we're diligent in teaching God's word we're going to be accurate we're going to be clear in what God's word says and third we teach them repeatedly these verses indicate that teaching is not a one time thing it's not occasional when I want to thing it requires effort it goes on all the time all the time and the secret to learning is what? repetition repetition so we teach our kids diligently we teach them accurately we teach them repeatedly fourth we teach them naturally this will be done when we sit down when we walk by the way when we rise up in the mornings and when we lie down so we're always teaching and we do it naturally I found it interesting that a little further down in the passage in verses 20 through 23 we see how it just rises up in the midst of life verse 20 <clears throat> when your son asks you in time to come saying what do these testimonies and statutes and judgments mean which the Lord your God has commanded you and then you shall say we were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt and the Lord brought us up from Egypt with a mighty hand and moreover the Lord showed great and distressing signs and wonders before our eyes against Egypt and Pharaoh and all his household and he brought us out from there in order to bring us in to give us 
this land in which he had sworn to our fathers. You see the practical outworking. If we're teaching God's word, if we're talking about God, in the midst of life, our kids are going to ask us questions. I never forget when Chris and I's youngest son, Jared, was probably about five years old. And his first comments were, one time was, we're all Christians, huh? In this car, in our family. We're all Christians. We kind of looked at each other, talked to them a little bit, and then on down the line another few months, we were traveling down south in Alabama. And we were, I don't know if we were discussing things or was on a Christian radio station, but Jared said, I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. I just kept driving. No, I didn't. I stopped. I pulled over on the side of the road. And I shared the gospel with Jared. And he trusted Christ. So we're always to be ready in season and out of season. The best teaching is done in the home, along the way, because our kids are going to be um, inquisitive. They're going to want to know about God. And if we're talking about what God is doing in our lives, then they're going to want to know. They're going to want that's God in their lives. So we teach them in a natural way, in the midst of life. <clears throat> Fifth, we teach them personally. <clears throat> good News Bible Church has a lot of good ministries for kids. A lot of clubs. On Monday, I hear stories on Tuesday of these, these fun-loving, crazy kids that have a blast at Awana. They learn God's Word. They play. On Sunday mornings, we have kids in motion. Right now, we're having God's kids. And that's good. That's good. But the primary place of teaching for our kids is at home. It's at home. It's at home. We as moms or dads can't place that responsibility on the church or on a Christian school. And we can come alongside. But the primary responsibility is in the home. And this model, this, um, this place is modeling it. You know, so much more is caught by watching and observing rather than talking. We teach God's word to our kids. We do it diligently and accurately, repeatedly, and personally. The second thing that moms need to do, and dads, is to understand the bent of their child or their children. Proverbs 22, 6 says, instructs the parents to Train up a child in the way that he should go. And this way references a road or course in life. It means a certain path. I like the Amplified uh, Bible. It says, train up a child in the way that he should go and keep him with his bent or gift. <clears throat> Those of us who have more than one child know that they're very different. To me, it is amazing 
to see kids raised in the same household, the same mom and dad, come out so different. It's amazing. We don't discipline kids in the same way. We don't express love to our kids in the same way. We have to know them. We need to recognize each child's uniqueness and honor his individuality. Observe them. Watch them. Keep in mind each one's personal strengths and weaknesses, their personality, their temperament, and then give them a vision. Give them a vision. Those of you who have kids, you recognize that God has gifted kids with different gifts and abilities. So we need to know our child. We need to know who or she is. And give them that vision. Finally, moms and dads, we need to discipline our kids. Proverbs 13, 24 says, Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but whoever loves him is diligent to discipline him. Now I know there are a lot of questions today, controversy about spanking. <clears throat> and, and the world will say one thing. And I know if you talk to Zach and Jerry, they, they would tell you they got many spankings. They got very few. They probably got spankings till age five. Jerry may have got them a little bit when he's six. Maybe. <laughs> God says if you love our children, we'll discipline them. We discipline them in love. We discipline them in love. But we discipline them. Mothers, love your children. Teach them God's word. Understand their bent, how God made them, their personality. Recognize their uniqueness. Honor their individuality. Give them a vision of who they are, of their strengths, and discipline them. Mothers, your impact can be so very powerful. Dr. E.B. Hill was a great African-American pastor from Watts area. He grew up in poverty in Texas during the Great Depression. One of five kids. And a lady who had no relationship with him, whom he called Mama, raised him. And back in those days, in the African-American community in rural Texas, the male kids stopped school at 10th grade and started working for $2 a day. $2 a day. Now, Mama instilled in E.V. Hill that he wasn't going to quit in 10th grade. 
she began sharing prayer requests in church and saying that Edward was not going to quit. He was going to graduate. She prayed. He graduated from high school. But she said, E.D. is going to college. He's going to college. Men in the church began to be kind of derogatory, making comments like, who is this woman that says that her son is going to college? We know, we know that can't be. That can't be. Nobody goes to college from our community. That's okay. Mama kept praying. Mama kept encouraging E.V. Sure enough, after he graduated, Mama bought him a bus ticket, a new suit, two pairs of blue jeans, and some shirts, and gave him $5 along with a ticket to the school. He got to school and he had a dollar and eighty-three cents left. He got in line at the registrar's office, and the big sign said, "Eighty-three dollars, cashier's check, cash, money order." He didn't have eighty-three dollars. He didn't have three dollars. But because he had heard his mom say, "I'm praying for you." I'm praying for you. He stayed in line. And just as Satan was lying to him and saying, get out of this line. You don't belong here. Just when he's ready to give up, a man walked over and put his arm on Edwin and said, son, are you Ed Hill? He said, yes. He said, get out of the line. He said, we've been trying to reach you. We've got your four-year scholarship. Pays all your tuition, all your books. Room and board. You get $35 a month spending money. You see, Mama prayed. And Mama told Edwin about God and his faithfulness. E.V. Hill said he kept hearing Mama say, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you, Edwin. She taught Edwin to trust God. And she taught him the power of prayer. E.V. Hill, he's a confidant for Martin Luther King and Mr. Civil Rights Movement. He was on the board of directors for Billy Graham Association. He was on the board of directors for Los Angeles Urban League. He was on the board of directors for the NAACP. Time magazine honored him as one of the seven most outstanding preachers in the U.S. He was an associate professor of evangelism at Billy Graham um, Center. He had very close connections with three presidents, Nixon, Reagan, 
in the first bush. We see in Dr. E.B. Hill's life the power of an impact of a mother. Powerful. If any of you catching up with him when he was uh, in, in his youth, he was a he was a a fiery preacher. And in the midst of he was like in his big denomination, uh, National uh, Baptist. He fought for God's word. He fought as they fought to be liberal. He fought for the truth. The influence of mom is powerful. You don't know whom you whom we have in our presence today. Well, so we look then key relationships for mom. God first, husband second, and children. How do we love them? How do we love our mothers? How do we love them? I love Dr. Gary Chapman's books, Five Love Languages. First, he wrote a book, and it was mainly for couples. But as he counseled more and more with people, he realized that these principles apply to everybody. So he wrote a book for children, for raising teenagers. He wrote a book for men to know how to love their wives. He wrote a book for singles, because these principles apply to everybody. But today, we're going to plan them on. Okay, we're going to plan them on. The five love languages are words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. And we usually have one or two primary gifts or languages. The first is words of, of affirmation. Sometimes, sometimes actions don't speak louder than words. If your gift is words of affirmation, you long to hear, I love you. And you long to hear why I love you. It's important that we tell these people that. Well, there's a teacher in a women's Bible study. She gave homework. She said, go home, women, and tell your husband one thing that you really appreciate about your husband. It was an easy thing for everybody except for one lady. This one lady was bound to come up with something because she didn't want to be the only one to go back and say, I, I didn't do my homework. She'd lived with him for a long time and there was nothing, absolutely nothing, that she appreciated about her husband. She didn't admire him. She didn't even like him. She just lived with him because that was the thing to do. And even so, she determined to complete the, the report. So she sat down at the dinner table, again, just searching for something to say about her husband. And finally, she knew what it was. And she began, began very stiltedly and without emotion. She said, I, um, I've been thinking, I, I admire you for what you did five years ago when you saved that income tax. 
the words came out again so stilted and yet her husband's fork stopped in midair until it hit the table the husband sat there shaking unable to speak tears flooded his eyes because you see this is the first time in all their marriage that he had ever heard her say one thing positive how many of us are starving for a little affirmation of their ability their value I wonder how many long for a kind word simple praise of appreciation of admiration today's Mother's Day speak words of admiration and love for your mother the second love language is physical touch this doesn't have just to do with bedroom it has to do with just life you know there are people who are touchy they touch shoulders they bear hogs they just do that kiss I noticed a few ladies today had lipstick all over their face hugs and pats are important to these people Marilyn was a mother who had gone to a workshop on the five love languages and when it was over she turned to her, her friend by her and said her son Joey was 12 she said now I finally understand Joey Joey has ignored me constantly picking at me he walks up when I'm washing dishes and puts his hands over my eyes or if he's lying on the floor and I walk across the room he grabs my leg if I'm sitting on the couch he runs his hair his uh, hands through my hair he does the same thing with his dad he said now I realize that Joey's primary love language is physical touch all these years he's been touching me because he wants to be touched so I realize now that my husband has been loving Joey as they wrestle around in rough house and I've been holding back because I don't like to touch your mom needs that physical touch some of us more than others she changed your diapers first she wrapped you in her womb you came out and she cares for you she changed your diapers she probably trained you she held the clean next to your nose while you blew it your mother has constantly touched you she deserves your touch and you should never give that up and if your mom has the language of, of physical touch it would mean more than flowers it would mean more than candy it would even mean more than going out for lunch words of affirmation physical touch thirdly is quality time 
for a quality time person, nothing says I love you more than spending time together. But you got to put down the TV. You turn off the TV. Put down your fork. Put aside your task. They want eye-to-eye contact. And if you don't give it to them, they feel unloved. Kids, teenagers, adults, spend time with your mother. I know that each of you have so many important things to do. But mom is important. And she needs that quality time. For you're not ready to go do something else. Focus on the family published stuff. A letter from an 80-year-old mother um, <clears throat> on her birthday. And she says, to all my children, I suppose that my upcoming birthday started my thoughts along these lines. This is a good time to tell you that what I truly want are things that I can never get enough of. Yet they're free. I want the intangibles. I would like for you to come and sit with me. I for you to be relaxed. One more time. I would like for you to come and sit with me and be relaxed. We can talk or we can be silent. I just want you with me. I need your patience when I don't hear what you said the first time. And I know it's tiresome sometimes when I go back to olden times. But I need your time and your patience and your understanding. To me, those are priceless gifts that I want. Love, Mom. Words of affirmation, physical touch, quality time, and fourth, acts of service. Can vacuuming the floors be an expression of love? Absolutely. Absolutely. Anything that we can do to ease the burden of a, of a person who has the acts of service um, will speak volumes. And to someone who, whose language is, is acts of service, the words they long to hear most are, let me do it for you. Let me do it for you. Kay Arthur said about her husband when they first married him. He'd come home and sit in the recliner while she cooked and while she washed dishes. And she said, and she worked too full time. She said, it amazed me that this dear godly man thought nothing about it. She said, I was stunned. And so in her mind, she would talk to him. She would say, you keep telling me to rest more. That I shouldn't stay up all night working. Well, if you mean that, then why don't you get up and help me? Then I can rest. Don't tell me you love me when you sit there doing nothing. That's the service. Cooking a meal, setting the table, washing the dishes, cleaning a commode, getting the hairs out of the sink, removing those white spots on the mirror, taking out the garbage, dusting. Those things can express love in ways beyond your thoughts. 
we're finding the, the fifth one, the final one, is um, getting gifts. And don't mistake, this is not materialism. It can be small gifts, but the key in this is that you give, that you give gifts. It can be a rose. It can be a flower. It can be anything, but it's that expression of love through that. Love languages. We all have one or two. I have fond memories of my mother who died a year and a half ago. I can't tell I love her today. She sacrificed for eight kids. She worked a hard job eight hours a day and came home and cooked and washed jeans and pressed jeans for all those guys until 10 o'clock at night. And that's before we had the, uh, the, the pants that were easy to, to press. Mom loved to do things for people. She loved to cook. She loved to bake. She would do whatever. She made those homemade southern biscuits that would melt in your mouth. You see, if I were to go back and look at Mom, I'm sure that one of Mom's love languages was acts of service. That's how she wanted us to express love to her. I know my Mom's love language now but she's in heaven. And that's great, but some of us have moms here. What is your mother's love language? What is your mother's love language? And how will you express it to her? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace, for your goodness to us. We thank you for mothers and their impact in our lives. And we pray, Father, you bless each one of them today in a special way. In Jesus' name, amen.